Hi everyone and welcome to our show today, Beyond the Box, hashtag influencer. I'm Sherry Langworth, the host of this podcast and founder of Babelbox, which someone just referred to as a scrappy and out of the box influencer marketing agency. I have been entrenched in the influencer marketing space for more than a decade, and I believe our guest today has been working in it for as long as me. If you don't know Julie Jankowitz, you should check her out. She's an incredible thought leader who championed FabFitFun's influencer marketing program and is now acting as an industry consultant. Hi, Julie. I'm like a big fan and welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So I know I've been, I, I kind of confessed before in our little green room, green room that I've been following and watching your career for many, many years. And I feel like our careers have been parallel in this space. How did you get involved in the influencer marketing space? Yeah, thank you. So I started my career actually doing celebrity gifting. Do you know what that is? Yeah. Like yeah. for all the award shows. Um, and that was back in like 2008. Um, so crazy. And then I noticed there was about to be this like big shift. Um, and that's when I was actually trying to convince my boss at the celebrity gifting company. I was like, we need to start working with influencers. And he's like, nah, time is not right. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go do it on my own. And so then, so I went to FabFitFun. Um, I was one of the first few employees there. And then I um, started the influencer marketing program from the ground up. And uh, we worked with over 40,000 influencers over my seven oh my and a half years there, which is crazy. What did that look like? Like, was it all pay for play or was like organic or it was both? Everything. It was a mix. I mean, obviously it, the landscape, I mean, you know, it changes like every single year. So at the beginning, it was like a lot of just like, it was a lot of gifting, very tiny budgets. And then the budgets grew, like the more that FabFitFun realized um, that influencer marketing was really like a growth machine for the company, um, then we could justify putting more spend to it. And then, you know, I built out an amazing, like well-oiled machine. Um, and I would say like probably 80% of what we did was paid and then the rest was gifting and organic. And how long were you there? And it must've been very hard to leave. It was really hard to leave. I was there for seven and a half years. I was one mm. of the first few employees. So, you know, when I first got there, there were a few of us. And then when I left, there were hundreds, I don't know, I feel like maybe five or 600 people. Um, so it was a, a totally different company. Um, yeah, super hard to move on and leave my team. And I was so loyal to the founders, but ultimately I felt like it was just what was best. And I had all these opportunities, uh, to help smaller, uh, direct to consumer brands. And that's what I'm doing now. And so tell me what you're doing now and what that's been like, and what does it mean to be an influencer marketing consultant? Yeah. So for me, my focus is actually really specific. I focus on performance driven influencer marketing. So it's like wow. all about the sales and conversions and all of that. So I advise my clients, which are, I would say 99.9% .9 of them are direct to consumer brands. Um, a lot of them are smaller. Um, a lot of them are just getting started and they're just like, I don't even know where to begin. So I'll help them build like a highly efficient influencer program from scratch or help them optimize if it's a bigger company, if they already have an established influencer program, I help them optimize and scale what they already have and just make it as efficient as possible. Um, and so I'm either, I either consult or I actually also offer like actual execution services where I'm fully executing campaigns. And, you know, I'm like the one negotiating the deals with the agents, uh, writing the briefs, helping with the strategy. Um, I'm like trying to think of what else. Uh, oh, and mentoring the team members, which is always a really important thing for me. 
And how did FabFitFun prepare you for all of this? How did they not? I mean, it. I feel like it prepared me in literally every way possible. So it was obviously really challenging working at FabFitFun um, because it was a fast-growing startup and there was just so much going on, um, but also in a really exciting way. Um, and, you know, I feel like the early employees, like we all just put our blood, sweat and tears into our work and really learned how to also just be really adaptable and how to pivot like all the time, which I think is one of the most important things in influencer marketing because the landscape is changing every single day. Um, and I think like the founders, Mike, Michael and Daniel Burkeem, they're amazing. They were so open-minded. They were willing to get creative. They were really willing to test anything. Um, and like I said, you know, they were they were so performance-driven, um, and they had very aggressive targets for us to meet. Um, and I'm really grateful for that because ultimately that's what became my specialty, and that's what I do today with all my clients. So could we talk about that because there's such a disconnect and. You know, there's the awareness play, but if you're able, can you share like one or two things? Like if you're a direct response or if you want to move because it's like top of the funnel, bottom of the funnel, like how do brands make sure that they're optimizing for sales? Yeah. So it's funny because like, I think it's much more common for brands to approach influencer marketing as top of funnel, but I only know bottom of the funnel. Like I, I mean, yeah. So I, everything I do has always been about sales. I don't, I, I've never reported on impressions or like brand awareness. Literally, liter I mean, I could figure it out. Um, and I'm, what's funny is I actually took on my first client last week and their brand awareness. I'm like, oh, I could, do it's so much easier. And it's, it's so much more like less stressful. Cause I'm like, there aren't these like really aggressive, like uh, ROAS or CPA or CAC targets, whatever it is. So like, I'm actually really enjoying it. I was like, I could be creative. And <laughs> Welcome to my world. You want to come join? Our team? Oh, like maybe, maybe it's so, it's so nice. How do you, how do you literally like get someone to make sure that you're doing an influencer campaign? It's not awareness. Like what are some tactics you can put in place or that you do put in place to make sales happen? Conversions? Yeah. Well, I will say, I think a performance driven campaign is of course, like all trial and error, you never know what's going to convert. And I think my strategy is always casting a really wide net and doing a ton of testing at the beginning and then taking a pause, you know, and then saying, okay, what's working, what's not working. And now whatever is working, let's do that times a hundred. Um, and then I think within that, in terms of how to like measure performance, like I'm a huge fan of coupon codes and tracking links to get all that data um, and really like breaking the campaign down and getting really analytical, what tier of influencer is converting, making sure to test them all, um, what categories are confirm, uh, uh, converting. converting, yeah, what channels yes. are converting, you know, testing everything, testing YouTube, Instagram, stories, reels, maybe even blogs and Pinterest, you know, TikTok, yeah. So interesting. We come at it from such different, yeah. It's totally opposite. And it's like, I'm happy that I had that performance-driven background. And um, I, I like that it is my specialty, but yeah, it comes with a lot of challenges right now and a lot of managing clients' expectations of just like the reality because five years ago or even like three years ago, it was, everything felt like low-hanging fruit. And now it's just, that's not what it is. Well, low hanging fruit. I remember when you could just send something to influencers and not pay them and they'd be like, oh, great, we're going to post. Oh, yeah. In in my first season at FabFitFun, actually, I think this is really funny. My budget for the quarter, I believe, was like it was like a few thousand dollars, right? It was nothing. 
Um, and they were like, okay, you need to like, we want to see like 10 X the return or something like that. Um, and I did it, but it's because most of the YouTubers were just gifted. And those same YouTubers now charge a million dollars. So it's just funny to see. And they, yeah, they posted about it for free. They did a full dedicated. Do video. they still talk to you if you reach out? <laughs> probably. I, I, so probably, but I don't know if they would even remember me. And here's why I don't, for me, like for the brands that I'm working with, I'm not booking, you know, like million dollar deals. These, like I tried to spend so efficiently right. yeah, to the point where like most of the deals are under $5,000 because that's where you're yeah. going to see the most return. Amen. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's tough. <laughs> so are there any, so I've, I've, I'm in similar groups to you and I see mm -hmm. posts in these groups about influencer rates. So can we just talk about that? Like, what are you experiencing and how do you deal with it? Yeah. Yes. So I'm, I'm assuming maybe one of the groups you're talking about is women in influencer marketing, which I just love. And I always joke to everyone, I'm like, I'm afraid I'm going to like get kicked out of that group because I'm like known for like my, I wouldn't say rants. I think they're, it's, it's conversations, right? But I have this one topic that I won't stop talking about where it's again, what I, like I said earlier about like influencer rates are at an all-time high and performance is just at an all-time low. And I go, I mean, I go on, I could talk, I could literally talk about this topic for I mean, hours and hours. So because of that, budgets are being slashed. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm seeing this every day. Teams are getting laid off. I'm not even talking about actually any of my clients, just in general. Teams like are influencer teams? Influencer marketing teams specifically wow. are getting laid off. Actually, one of my friends who's in influencer marketing, like just texted me right before this layoffs at her company for her whole team. Um, and they're getting rid of influencer programs because they can't justify the spend. And then smaller companies can't justify breaking into the space because they test influencer marketing a little bit. And then they give up early on because they're not seeing the ROI up front. And so like, for me, I think, I mean, while this is happening, mo let's say many influencers, I think are overpricing themselves. And so, Agreed. yeah. And so what the, what I actually, my, my rant or whatever I post in women in influencer marketing is always about this. It's actually like, well, how can we solve this problem together? Right. Um, and something I proposed was look five years ago, if an agent came to a talent agent came to me and said, can you share conversion data on my client? I probably wouldn't have shared it if they performed well, in all fairness, I wouldn't have, I would lose leverage. I wouldn't have done it. Now brands have less leverage and brand it's in, I believe it's in the brand's best interest to be more transparent with all of that conversion data. So talent agents, know how to fairly price out their talent and we're all going to help each other win. Does that make but sense? I my fear is that it's again, wherein does lie influencer marketing. And if the conversion data is not great, then these influencers whose rates are over here, the rates are going to go down here. Yeah. Well, that influencers will lose leverage. And I, I right. Cause I think we're starting to see that luckily too. So my whole strategy, like I said before about like casting a wide net, the reason you also have to do that is because of rates. So like, let me actually like give you specific numbers and these are like real numbers. So say a client needs to secure, they say for their January campaign, they need like one of my clients needs 20, around 20 influencers. I will go out, no joke, to probably 200 influencers. Us too, yep. Yeah. And they'll all be quality. They'll all be thoughtfully vetted and all great for their campaign. But I do that 
knowing that probably most of those will not agree to the rate, but all you need are those 20 to actually mm -hmm. do it. Um, and but then you need the client to approve those 20. So we usually give like double the amount so that they have extra options, right? Or oh, you, yeah, you I have, yeah, I have my clients actually like review all, all of them being like okay, before. literally everyone that you're willing to approve. Um, and then I will just go out being like, here's the like best and final, here's what we could afford. And like, here's what it's worth, you know, yeah. um, what's, I don't, I think it's, this is part is interesting too. So my sister has a really big meme account with 2 million followers, which is crazy. And I'm so proud of her. It's called 30 AF and she does an amazing job with it, but it's really been like eye-opening for me to see it from the talent side and to like help her broker the deals and to see what people are offering her. But what I really respect and what I've like helped her with is that like, if a client isn't 100% happy, she will do make goods until they are thrilled. See, and most people don't. I think that it's no, like, doesn't. here it is and buy, and like, it's very yeah. challenging. Yep, yep, it I is. I mean, I own a business. If someone's not happy, I will give them their money back. I'll do anything yes. until they're happy. Same. And I feel like that's like missing sometimes lose that. Cause I do think that there can be a lot of entitlement come. And like, I think a lot of agents, I hate to say this, I'm going to get into I, Yeah. But there's a lot of coddling and they like, they kind of feed into it. And it's like, well, yeah. the other thing too, sorry, is that I think that the agents are not even like, sometimes we'll have an influencer write us saying, why wasn't I considered for that campaign? And we're like, we wrote your agent. They said, no. Oh yeah. And sometimes you can tell when like the agent responds so quickly. I'm like, there's no way you heard back from that talent, you know, because sometimes they just genuinely love the brand and they'll, they'll do it for 80% yeah. off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's crazy. I wish that every, we could have like a panel and come together with rates. And like, again, I worked in corporate America too. So, you know, is, does it make sense to pay $40,000 to someone who has, you know, 200,000 followers? And only a certain percentage of that follower is going to see what they write as a marketer. I don't know. So that's our job is right. to always. Yeah. And also just like, I look at the conversion data for, from all of my clients. So I feel like I have a really good sense of really what that talent is worth, you know, and I, I fully respect influencers and like the, like the time and the effort and the pride, like everything that goes into creating a piece of content. I respect that so much. At the same time, I still think they sh it's really important for them to be mindful and have integrity and really care and like value their relationship with the brand. And there, there are some influencers. Because yeah. I think that there's two parts, right? Like it's, you're getting the awareness. So the influencer is still creating the content, which that's part of the fee, but then there's like, oh, then there's my audience. And sure. so it's the creative side, which is a budget. And then, and I wonder if there's two ways to bundle that out. I don't know. For sure. And I mean, look, my, again, like my clients, like they're not, I've, I've never ever used the words brand awareness. Like at Fat Fit Fun, it was never a phrase that ever came up in my seven and a half years. Unbelievable. There. Yeah. And it's because it was both, it was influencer marketing was achieving both for us. It was a, again, a growth machine for the company, growth engine, whatever for the company. Um, but also brand awareness at the same time. So we didn't really have to, you know, talk about that. Amazing. So, okay. So getting into, we could talk about these two topics forever, I think, but yeah. let's talk about what do you think is the most innovative way brands, whether in the past today, what you're seeing could work with influencers. 
Oh my God. You, or something I, that you've done. Yeah. Well, I'd love to give an example. It's not, it's not mine. It's I, I always wish I lay in bed at night thinking, I'm like, God, I wish I came up with this, but you know, Aerie, like American Eagle Aerie. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're like the most brilliant influencer marketers. And I like follow every single thing they do. Like I'm an airy nerd. Cause I, I think it's like the, in, their program is like the epitome of inclusivity. I think they're like true. They are pioneers in the influencer space and how they approach influencer marketing. I think like they understand like 360 campaigns and they're so thoughtful about it and everything feels so on brand and so authentic. And the way they roll it out is just so brilliant. Like, they have their ambassadors create product lines and then like host events um, and speak with the media and create content for their website. And it's so not this is what I'm so passionate about right now. And I'm doing yeah. all these like engagements speaking about like omni-channel. Like yeah. why aren't brands leveraging influencers? Like, okay, like the one team is using influencer, but like the PR team is doing something different for a magazine shoot. And then the shopper marketing team is doing like, why isn't anyone saying that's yeah. Well, I think they have to, I think with, especially with just like performance kind of being down as I'm, I'm, I guess I'm talking mainly for like performance driven brands. If they want to mm -hmm. still continue to engage with influencers, they're going to have to approach it from a more 360 uh, yeah. view, whatever. Um, I think we're going to see much more of that. I think. I hope. I mean, it was funny during one of my sessions, I said how like, yes, everyone looks at ROI and that's how you're mine. But I'm also like, what about savings? Like yeah. you get an influencer, you don't need, let's say it's food. You don't need a food stylist. You don't need a photographer. You don't need like the recipe developer. You don't need talent. It's one person that could do all of it. And there is a saving. And I wish I could add up what that saving is. Okay. You know what? That's so funny you say that. Cause also one of my clients now I'm advising them on how to, um, like optimize their program. And um, one of the things is I was like, well, how are you leveraging all of these amazing creative assets? Like, let me look at the contract, what's in the contract. And they're like, oh, they just post. I'm like, just post on social. Like this is absolutely beautiful Old. content where you could be posting this, like, like what you said, you could use this in email. Obviously you'd have to pay for it, but like you pay a little bit more and you get so much bang for your buck. Email, uh, social, use it for your community. Sweepstakes, contest, anything. Literally. Nine times out of 10, we have to write to brands saying, are you even posting any of this content on your social? And they don't even remember to do that. Kills me. That kills yeah. me. And look, I'm still, again, I'm performance driven for life. Like that's just like who I am, but I also see so much value in, in the assets, in the assets for all these yeah. other things. And it can help get more social followers and it can help create engagement in other ways. Like I, I, I'm all for getting the most bang for your buck. Yeah, me too. So that's the message I'm <laughs> going to keep touting. Um, so I, I have a question in terms of like right now, TikTok, everyone's talking TikTok, 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 but like, where do you think the most untapped opportunity is? Is it YouTube shorts? Like what do you, you know? Yeah, maybe YouTube shorts. I would actually say it's kind of weird, but like, I think, you know, like SMS and text messaging, like more influencers and celebrities are like hopping on that bandwagon or like, even for Instagram, you know, you have like the close friends list. I feel like influencers don't leverage that enough. Um, Patreon, like things like that, or like 
like a private Facebook groups. It's like all these like more community based. The subscription thing, like I'm getting every one of our influencers yes. has like a subscription wall now. Yes. And I, and honestly, but like brands haven't really figured out how to tap into it, but it's like, the thing is, those are the most loyal communities. They're the, like, the, like if I'm yeah. going to join an influencers Facebook group and I'm in many of them personally, also like for work, but I also just like, I do care about, it and I want to, I want, I I'm a fan. Um, but the people in there are the most loyal and will do anything for that influencer. And so brands should totally start to find a way to leverage those really loyal, tight-knit communities. Okay, so I feel like going on that, the whole social commerce, have you done anything with social commerce live streaming where like you're selling online and like your shopping cart is there? Like not my, yeah, no, no, no. I don't no. have a great answer for that, unfortunately. It's, it's fun. I didn't mean yeah. to put you on the spot. I think no, no one has a great answer for it. I honestly want to learn more about it. I don't know enough. And I feel like I'm so in the world of like performance driven influencer marketing. And that's probably like, I think going to be huge with it. It is. You know? um, that's why I asked. Yeah. But I, I don't have like a ton. I don't have a I good answer for that. Yeah. I spent a lot of time <laughs> researching it. And then I was like, I need to take a breather because I don't know. Yeah. It's yeah. tricky. It's confusing. And honestly, there's so many damn things to research like every single day that I'm like, I cannot keep up. Yeah. It's and so then you're like, if something's working, just stick with what's working. Cause totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. 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 So one more question we are like, there's like, kind of like, you know, the economy is not so great. And so what do you think in your personal opinion, influencer up influencer down next year? What do you think? I think it's going to be hard. I I don't like saying that it will go down, but I think we're already seeing that happen where again, like brands are slashing their budgets and they can't justify spending the way they were. I think it's going to only get more challenging next year, okay. um, but I'm still hopeful. Like things are still working. You know, I look at the numbers all day, every day, and it's, it, it could always be worse. And, you know, like I think there things working for every single one of my clients not saying that it was like the low hanging fruit that we talked about before. It's not <laughs> going to be these crazy low rates, but there are still influencers willing to give out amazing deals and there's still influencers converting um, and hitting, you know, at least I could say targets. Yeah. Whether it's a CPA target or a ROAS, they're still doing it. So I'm hopeful, but it's still going to be really challenging for performance driven brands. Awesome. Yeah. So my last question for you is one that I always ask because um, I think it's fun. So name an influencer you love to follow, but hate that, to admit that you do. Okay, this is my favorite question ever. So like, I never hate to admit that I follow anyone, um, but I, I'll say my most, or the, the most unexpected influencers that I follow, if that's okay. Yep. There, it's some good ones. So I I'm love- I'm gonna write them down. Hold on, go ahead. I like wonder if you follow them. Um, uh, Mountain Rug Cleaning, which is a rug- <sighs> rug cleaning influencer that I watch for the other night. I spent five hours just watching this guy clean rugs. Okay. Um, it's, it sounds weird, but like, it's incredible. And then I love like meat influencers, like barbecue influencers. Oh yeah. Yeah. I watch, yeah. I watch a ton of those. They're amazing. And like have big personalities. I follow an account called vintage Broncos. Um, I know these are not like the influencers you are probably looking for. I feel like it's, no, it's all fun. That's why it's a great question. <laughs> I follow this guy who um, he like cooks outside in a Serbian forest. Like <laughs> I follow a few of those too. 
yeah, outdoor cooking guys. Outdoor cooking guys are like some of my favorite. Um, okay, and then finally, my, maybe my most controversial is I love the age gap couples on TikTok. Like the ones where it's like one of them is like 25 and one is like 60. I'm so intrigued. <laughs> I will follow every age gap couple. Oh my God. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. I'm definitely, <laughs> I'm definitely into the camping guys who cook outside. I think it's fat. Yeah. yeah. And I make my son watch it too. They're so fun. I always want to buy like the knives that they're promoting. I know. I know. Um, but yeah, I bet I bet that was like the weirdest answer that anyone's ever given you. I wonder what <laughs> like normally people say if it's just like fashion. The funniest is when people admit crushes. So like, oh, and you like I have a crush on, you know. Yeah. So well, thank you so much. How could people find you? How could they engage with you? Tell us. Yeah. So oh my God. Instagram, I guess. Um, my LinkedIn and my can I get my email? Um, always open to conversations and I love networking with people in the industry always. So my email is just my name, joliejankwitz at gmail.com, but you can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, um, and anywhere else. I feel like it's always at joliejankwitz. So, okay. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Bowbox hashtag influencer. Visit podcast.bowbox.com to get additional insights and full transcript. You can find our podcast channel via Apple, Google, YouTube, and Spotify. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button today to stay up to date on the latest episodes.